Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests this week. Um, I was thinking the other day about the word great. Um, it's a word that we use all the time. You know, we tend to use words quite a lot, don't we? The word awesome seems to be used quite a lot. Awesome, awesome. Apparently, I'm, I'm um, known for saying the word fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, that was fantastic. Oh, it's incredible. Fantastic. And a word that seems to get a whole lot of use is the word great. Oh, that was great. You know, there's a book from good to great and, you know, great, great, great. And we use this word a lot about how great things are. And it got me to thinking, you know what, um, about how we use it and what we use it for and the overuse of the word, I suppose. You know, you can see a great film. You know, if ever we go as a family to see a film, we say, give it out of 10 and it's a nine or it's a six or it's, if it's really bad, it's a three or a four. But um, a film can be great. A person can be great. What a great bloke, we can say. Or, you know, a great business. All sorts of greats. But in the Bible, there are a lot of um, examples of the word great. So I want to go through a number of those today because I think it's good to get a good perspective on what really is great. The Bible talks about a great church, great love, great grace, great faith, a great army, having a great a dream. And the Bible even talks about a great harvest. So many greats in the Bible. And as I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking even though things can be great, things can also get better. So even though God is great... Um, obviously God is and he's all-knowing and, and all-understanding and all-wise and all-powerful and, and yet there's something about the fact that I see God as greater every day. Um, he's not growing because he's already infinite but there's something about as I, as I continue on my journey with God that... I see that God is great in greater and greater ways. Um, and there are some incredible greaters in the Bible that I want to go through. Um, I want to inspire us that even though we have a certain experience today, you know, tomorrow can be greater. And um, it's not a never-ending sort of grasping for more and more. That's not what I'm talking about. But our relationship with God can go from strength to strength and our experience in God can, you know, can reach brand new heights as we keep on the road with Him. So the first verse I want to read today is 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, You are of God, my little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. My first point today is you are greater than whatever you face. This is speaking about a certain situation and evil spirits and different things that I won't go into today. But the important point is here. You are greater than he who is in the world. You're greater than whatever you face. I don't know, you know, the things you're facing today. Um, you know, there could be financial challenges. There could be relational challenges challenges. There could be physical challenges. There could be emotional challenges. There are certainly societal challenges. But I want to encourage you today, friend, you are greater on the inside than anything you are ever going to encounter. I do actually believe that there's sort of a filter around our lives that God only allows through that filter things into our experience that he knows that we can already handle. There's already enough greatness on the inside of us. And it's not us. It's 
it's the Lord in us. It's his word in us. It's his spirit in us. But we are greater on the inside than anything we face today. Whatever you're going to face this week, you're already greater than whatever you face. Perhaps you're even going to face a Goliath today. Well, you're already greater on the inside to come out on top as the victor. A second verse today, 1 John chapter 3 and verses 20 to 21. It says, this is quite an unusual verse, but it says, If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. As somebody who loves God, I want to live a life that honours God. And yet I know I fall short. I know I don't always, you know, uh, hatch up. I make mistakes. Um, you know, I say I'm going to do something and then I don't perform what I say I'm going to do. Or, you know, I, you know, commit, you know, to grow in an area and then I don't really put my energy into it. I don't know. There's all sorts of ways in which I, I seem to disappoint myself. And, you know, in that position, because of my love for God, it's not a guilt trip. It's just a, a desire, you know, to be better and to, you know, to go higher. And in my desire to please God, as, as obviously unfallible as we all are, that we don't quite get there, sometimes on the inside we can have that sort of sinking feeling. When you think, oh, you know what, I said I'd never say that again and I've said it again. I said I'd do that and I didn't do it. And there can be that sinking feeling on the inside. I'm so thankful to God that the Bible said there is no condemnation to those who are now in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So God's not getting heavy on us, which is really good news uh, because of his grace and because of his love towards us. But that does doesn't seem to stop sometimes that feeling on the inside that says, you know what, I want to be better. You know, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't quite get there today, or I didn't quite do that. But I'm really thrilled with this verse. It says, even if our heart condemns us, if we're not feeling, you know, the way that we want to feel with God, if we're not experiencing that sort of overflowing joy because we know we've come short, I want to encourage us today, my friend, it says, God is greater than our heart. Even when we've not you know, performed in the way that we, you know, really had a heart, you know, to be. God is greater than our heart. He can get right on the inside of us today and encourage us and say, you know what? It's a new day. There's a brand new opportunity. Come on, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm on your side. I want to encourage you. I want to pick you up. I want to cover you with my wings. I want to heal you. I want to strengthen you. I want to encourage you. There is no condemnation for you today, my friend, because God is greater than our hearts. Isn't that encouraging? I love that verse. The third verse I want us to consider today is from John chapter 14 verses 12 to 14. This is a powerful verse. It says, most assuredly I say to you, and this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking himself, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The third point today is this. There is greater supernatural power than we have ever seen or experienced up until this point. 
As I think back, I would have loved to have been around in the days of the Gospels, to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. You know, at the time he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man was raised from the dead. I would love to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen him out there in the middle of the waves and the wind and the storm that was going on on the Sea of Galilee, where he says, peace, be still, and the storm dies. I would have loved to have seen the madman of Gadara set free. I would have loved to have seen the dividing of the five loaves and the two small fish. I would have loved to have seen those things. You know what? But even with all of that and understanding all of that, the Lord Jesus himself, he said this, the works I've done, whoever believes in me, he can do. And in fact, he's going to do even greater works. Wow, what an amazing encouragement that we have. There is greater supernatural power today than the world has seen thus far. And I want to encourage you today, my friend. You know what the Bible says, and you know, I've just read that verse, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do. That's not saying it's just a blank check, ask for whatever you want. It's asking anything, to, you know, according to his works. Asking anything according to his, uh, you know, declared um, promises from God's word. We know, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you again. That's, these are promises in God's word. And as we lay hold of these and as we pray, my friend, God is going to show himself strong and there are going to be greater works than we've ever dreamed of that God wants to show in order to show himself strong in our generation. I love these promises. Number four today, very quickly, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11 says this, Assuredly I say to you, among those who have been born, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. What an amazing verse. That again is the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking. And it's because something happened when the church was born. And I want to encourage you today, friend, with my point number four, which is this. We are recreated greater than anything that has ever lived. Wow. You know, as I think about who I was before I knew Jesus Christ, and then on the day I gave my life to him, October the 8th, 1984, 9.30 at night, Something happened on the inside. It wasn't me being polished up. It, you know, it isn't a better Julian Melfi. That's not what happened. He took out the old heart and he put in a brand new heart. He put in a new person on the inside of me. It's my same body. It's my same personality. It's my same mind and all of those things. But it's a brand new spirit on the inside. And that spirit is in the image of God. There is a recreation that has taken place. I'm now in the family of God and when you said yes to Jesus Christ that's what happened to you that's what happens at the new birth when we receive Jesus as Lord there's a recreation that goes on on the inside and it's very easy to go back and think about Abraham and and you know King David and all these amazing people in the Old Testament 
but something so powerful has happened on the inside of you that today I can say with a security and a promise from God's word, that spirit that is on the inside of you as a Christian, that new creation is greater than any person you can read of in the Bible. Why? Because God has made his home in us when we said yes to Jesus Christ and made him our Lord and Saviour. There is a greater person on the inside of you than anything that's ever lived before and his name is Jesus Christ. What a great encouragement. That's that word great again. Number five, as we go through some of these verses, I hope this is encouraging you today. Matthew 13 verses 31 and 32 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed in his field, which indeed is the smallest, the tiny seed, a mustard seed. But when it has grown, it is greater than all the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. That seems quite an unusual verse for today, but what I want to encourage us with today is that we are part, as the church of Jesus Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're a Christian and you're part of the worldwide church of Jesus, whether that's this denomination, that denomination, I don't care what name they got above the door. If Jesus is Lord, we're all one big family together. And if you are part of that church, you're part of the kingdom of God, and that is an ever-increasing kingdom which is gaining more and more momentum and more and more influence in our world than ever before. I believe we're living in the greatest days that this world has ever seen. We're in the greatest you know, turmoil as well and the challenges, but the church is getting stronger and stronger in our world today. The gospel is being preached across the world. We're on the airwaves now. Every tribe, every nation is going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It may have started on the day of Pentecost as a little tiny seed, but that tree is growing and has been growing growing for 2,000 years now and it's touching, I believe, every part of society. I'm believing God that the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ will touch every part of our society from the government um, through education and the media and the arts and the entertainment industry and financial institutions and economies. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to touch every part of society as the tree grows and grows and grows. I want to ask you today, friend, are you in the kingdom of God? Have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If you have, you are part of the greatest thing on earth. You're part of the happiest people on earth. You're part of the strongest group on earth, not as a campaigning group, but as a body of people who love people and who love God. This is something great. This is something awesome to use that word. The kingdom of heaven is growing and growing at a phenomenal rate. And I want to encourage you, my friend, if you're part of the kingdom of God, let's do everything we can to spread the influence of the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the power of God everywhere we can. Let's be kingdom advocates. Let's be sharing God's love everywhere we can. Let's be part of the growth of the kingdom of God. I really have preached myself happy today. I love being part of the church of Jesus Christ. It is the most amazing, amazing thing that this world has ever experienced.
I think it's such a sad thing that so often the church is given bad press. You know, and understandably, there's all sorts of tragedies that have happened through history and also even in our current day where things are not really done very well. And of course, the church isn't perfect. The church will never be perfect. But I believe the church has got to display God's love and God's forgiveness and God's acceptance and God's power in a really important season in this world. There's so much change taking place. There's so many things where, you know, we need answers and we need them quickly. We're part of a generation where there's a great cause and there's a great desire, you know, to do good in the planet. That just seems to be this, you know, heart of the generation. But the greatest thing that we must um, absolutely champion, the greatest cause, is the cause of Christ. It's the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though you're seeing this probably from a computer screen or a TV screen, you're surrounded by people in your world. And I want to encourage you, friend, come on, let's do everything we can to spread the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ in every way that we can. Wow, okay, um, our other verse here today, point six, actually, the the, uh, second to last verse that I want to read today is this from Haggai chapter two, verse nine. It says, the glory of this latter temple is greater, shall be greater than the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give shalom. I will give you peace, says the Lord of hosts. My next point is this. God is doing greater things today than ever before. I understand this has had a historic fulfillment, the latter temple. The temple was rebuilt And God's glory filled the temple again. But I believe there's something far greater for us today. That the glory of the temple is the glory again of the church of Jesus Christ. But what God wants to do in the world today. And God says this, the glory of what's coming at the end is going to be greater than anything we've seen before. God is doing greater and greater things. This word shalom, he said, in this place I will give you peace. In this place I'll give you peace. That doesn't mean that sort of peace, peace and quiet. I know we all really want peace and quiet and we love peace and quiet when it comes. There are times I just come home and I just, you know, flop down on the sofa and I just sit there and sort of breathe and I just think, you know what, I just want some peace and quiet right now. And I understand that and that's what we all need emotionally and physically. But there's something far stronger about this word peace. It can be understood like this. It can be understood as wholeness in this place I'm going to give wholeness. That wholeness can be spiritual wholeness in our relationship with God. It can be financial wholeness in our finances and and in our abundance. Um, It can be physical wholeness in our body. Wholeness, that means fitness and, and health in our bodies. It can be emotional wholeness. You know, having whole emotions. There's a lot of talk today about people's spiritual and their emotional um, wholeness and, you know, how to take care of ourselves in our health in every area of our lives, not just physical health. But I want to say the best place to get physical health and emotional health is from the peace and the wholeness that comes from the Holy Spirit. This can be wholeness in our families and in our, you know, in our 
uh, society and in the relationships that we have. God wants us to have good relationships, wholeness in those relationships, not division and turmoil and stress and upset. God wants to bring wholeness in. So I want to encourage you today that God's peace is available for you. God's wholeness is available for you. It's something to lay hold of. It doesn't just happen automatically. You know, it says in God's word that the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of wholeness will sanctify you wholly. Your whole spirit, your soul and your body will be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says that the peace of God will, will absolutely transform our lives in every part of our lives. Today, friend, I want to encourage you, there is great peace for your life. There's great wholeness for your life. What a great encouragement at a time when a lot of things are broken. God wants to put things back together again. God wants to mend. God wants to restore. God wants to rebuild. God wants to recreate. He wants to bring his wholeness into every part of your life. And he also wants us to be an instrument of wholeness for other people's lives. Our speech the things we say can bring wholeness into other people's lives. Our actions under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, under His grace, can bring wholeness into other people's lives. God is a God of great wholeness and the glory of God, the things that He's doing, that incredible peace is going to be greater in our generation than ever before. And finally today as we close, John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, it says this. I love this passage. I love this verse because it speaks to me of the Saviour who loves me. It says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. It was a word that the Lord was speaking to his disciples um, at the end of his life. He was just about to go to the cross. And he was talking about love, he was talking about um, the incredible quality of love that can really only come from, from God's love. And absolutely that's a verse that we need to take for each other. And you know, especially in these times when we need to be serving and helping each other and doing everything we can, lay our lives down for one another very important thing to do. It's a mark of being a Christian. It actually says in God's word, they will know we are Christians. The world around us will know we are Christians because of the love we have for one another. And that love is a great love. That love is an overwhelming love. It's not just a love, oh, thank you, God, that you know I'm loved by you, and that is really important. But it's a love that so transforms our lives that we can't help but love other people. There's an expression in God's word that you find time and time again. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? What? How can I serve you? How can I lift you up? How can I help you? How can I strengthen you? How can I love you? The Bible says to stir up love and good works in each other. What can I do for you? When you've been impacted by God's love yourself, you cannot help but love the people around you. I find that a great challenge for myself and I know that I, I fall short, but his love keeps renewing in my life and keeps refreshing in my life and helps me to get up and go again and love the unlovable and forgive what is hard to forgive and have grace for something that's really hurt. That love of God is so overwhelming, it's so transformational that it's great love.
And it comes from one place. It comes from the love of the Father. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son. This is overwhelming love. This is, I can't imagine how anybody could give their Son as a sacrifice for people who didn't even want to know him for people who weren't interested in him, for people who were just doing their own way. You know what, I've got three amazing boys, you know, a couple of them are grown up, one's still going through school, and, and I can't think of anything more horrific than to give my son, one of my sons, as a sacrifice for other people. What a decision to make. But that's the decision that the Father took, my friend, for you and for me. You know, um, he is a God of love. He's a God of such compassion for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's make it personal. For God so loved me. For God so loved you. Friend, he knows everything about you. He knows what's going on in your life right now. He knows your challenges. He knows your strengths. He knows the good things in your life and the things that you're not very proud of. He knows what you've done and what you've said. He knows the things that you want forgiveness for. He knows the things that he, um, he's put on the inside of you as a gift for other people. He knows everything about you and he knows that he has a plan for your life and that plan starts with a relationship with the God who created you. The Lord Jesus Christ, he died on a cross to give you life. When he died on the cross, it wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. It was his love that kept him on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And that, friend, is forgiveness for you today. It's such an experience and a new way of life to know you're forgiven. On the night I gave my life to Jesus, it's as if I was washed not on the outside in a bath, but on the inside. Something happened on the inside and the Bible says you are recreated. You become a brand new person. Friend, will you give your life to Jesus Christ today? I want to encourage you. Make a decision for your eternity. Make a decision to say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being Lord of Lords and King of Kings and I want you to be my Lord and my Saviour. Friend, I'm going to encourage you to pray a prayer right now as we all bow our heads in prayer. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've demonstrated your love by sending your Son to die on a cross to give me life. I ask you to come into my life, Jesus, to be my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived and by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I thank you for eternal life. Amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, I believe that you're now a Christian. I believe you've given your life to Jesus and that he's now your Lord and Saviour. He's got a plan for your life. A new journey has started. Today is a new day. It's a new way of living in touch with your Creator. You know, for anyone who's, who's heard this today, I want to encourage you. We have the God of the greater and let's see him do great things and be great in our lives this week. God bless you and I will see you next week.